this moment, we are joining with churches, followers of Jesus all across the world, singing, my guess is, the same chorus in many different languages, many different cultures, many different backgrounds, but all to the same God. And Lord, we know that while all that is going on in the world certainly seems overwhelming to us, it's never to you. To the God who created the world, who fashioned every part of who we are and sees the the smallest detail of our lives and the, the biggest picture of the universe. You know it all. You know our inward thoughts before we think them. And Lord, if that is who you are, we can come and bring the ache of our hearts, our greatest desires... All those things that we are waiting for, we can lay them right before you and allow you to do what you will with them. But Lord, as we sing, we just declare that we trust you. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with the most small details. You see us. And so Lord, as we open up your word, as we can continue to celebrate who you are, may you open up our hearts. And may we be willing to hear and receive and take in whatever it is that you want to say to us, even if it's not initially what we want to hear. Thank you that your word, (laughs) that you speak through it. And I pray that you'll speak to each of us. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. You may have a seat. You may have a seat. Man, can you believe Christmas is already coming? Unbelievable. Welcome to the first day of Advent, everybody. Um, I'm not going to take as long today uh, because we get to celebrate this morning three guys who have given their lives to Jesus and want to make that public through baptism. Um, Yeah. I don't... I don't mean to put them on the spot. I mean, it's kind of what baptism is, putting on the spot. But (laughs) um, I don't know if you guys remember, but about 11 weeks ago, in this room, we prayed and said, Lord, will you move through the Alpha class at the Wenham House in a powerful way? Well, we have three guys who are from the Wenham House this morning. And I know that it's not just because of what we did. It's just because God has been working in their lives this whole time. But we get to see the effect of what God is doing um, and, and these guys are living proof of that. And so, uh, man, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And what I read that yesterday that actually in the 4th and 5th centuries, that Advent was normally a time of preparation for baptism. That it was a time when the early church would, would prepare the, the hearts and minds of those who were about to be baptized. Now, we can't wait till after Advent because these guys just gave their lives to Christ. And we need to do it today. We need to celebrate today. But uh, there has always been a tie between the season of Advent and baptism, interestingly enough. But, as I mentioned a second ago, churches across the world are now beginning this season. Advent. Waiting for the coming of Jesus. That's what this season is really all about. Waiting. And so as we hear these Christmas stories, I want us to feel and experience what it is to wait with the people. As it starts getting dark at four o'clock in the afternoon, gosh, it already has, we wait for the one called the light of the world. As we near the end of another year, a long year at that, we wait. 
for the one who has promised to make all things right again, just as he is already doing within our lives, than the lives of those who trust and follow him. And it dawned on me, though, as I was preparing for this message, that I don't think there's a better way to end 2020 than to talk about waiting. It certainly seems to be the theme of this whole season, this whole year, right? I mean, that, that not just waiting for the burden of this pandemic to lift, but we've waited for election results. <laughs> we've waited for COVID test results. We've waited in line just to get into the grocery store. We've waited for our kids to figure out a math problem that basically confused, that confused us more than it did them. We've, we've waited wondering when we're going to hear word about our moms, our dads, our friends who are alone in the hospital. We've waited for the systematic wrongs in our society to be made right. Some of you have waited to hear if you're going to lose your job, if you're going to get a new job, if your business is going to get a profit, if you're going to have to lay off more people. We have not waited as much in commuter traffic, thankfully, but we certainly waited as our computers have had needed to update to the newest version of Zoom. Right? Like, this whole season seems to be marked out by waiting. Nothing but waiting. And some of the waiting is anticipating, which is good. Some of the waiting feels more like dread. But all of it forces us to admit that there's something that we really wish we could control that we cannot. Therefore, we wait. We wait. And I've come to realize that I'm not very good at waiting. That when I have to wait for things I really want, I'm not much better than my own kids. Which shows me, man, there's something in this season that I think God wants to reveal to me. And so as we look back through these Christmas stories over these next several weeks, we wait with God's people who are awaiting their promised Messiah. But I want us to realize that what it, if anything's evident to me in the Christmas story is that God never wastes a waiting season. Ironically, I find that when we're waiting, oftentimes it's because he's waiting for us to come to him. And so therefore... No matter what we're going through, no matter what we feel, whether it's anxiety or fear or anger, whatever we're coming, we're calling this Advent season, fear not, God has come. And while we wait this Christmas season, my desire is that we all experience just how present God is with us in the waiting and discover a fresh peace and a hope no matter what the circumstances may be. And to begin Advent... We're not going to go back 2,000 years to the birth of Jesus. This week, we're actually going to go back 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus to meet a man named Abram, who is very familiar with what it means to wait for a long time. Wait for a son. And so if you'll turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Genesis chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Genesis 15, verse 1. I'm going to read just the first six verses of this, uh, and then we're going to dive in. If you don't have your Bibles, you can certainly follow with me on the screen. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? 
For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. We pray after me and say, God, speak to my heart, speak to my mind, change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you may be thinking, Kirk, this is not a Christmas story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I'm going to show you how, in fact, it is. As we meet this man named Abram, most of you may know him by the name Abraham. His name is later changed to Abraham. We meet this man who knows better than most of us, I'd say, what it means to wait. And he's been waiting a long time. But the question I want us to ask is, who does God show himself to be to Abram in the waiting? You know, in waiting season, there's a lot of uncertainty. But what is certain about our God? See, when all we can do is wait, our God sees our ache. And he cannot forget his promise. More than anything in the world, Abram wanted a son, an heir who could carry on his name. He had a lot of wealth, but none of that really mattered to him unless he had someone who who could carry it on after he passed away. But problem was, Abram and his wife Sarai were no spring chickens. Right? Abram was in his upper 70s, early 80s. His wife was somewhere around like 70 years old. Like biologically, the window is passed, it certainly seems, to have any sort of kid. And for decades... This means for decades, Abram and Sarai tried year after year, month after month, hoping that one day she would be pregnant, but nothing. And now Abram is realizing everything he owns is about to go to his highest servant, Eliezer of Damascus, unless he has a son. And In that culture, in the ancient Near Eastern culture, that was actually a sign of shame if you didn't have an heir. And many thought in that day that it was a sign of a divine curse on your life. And so you can imagine the internal wrestling that Abram is going through as he continues to wait. But the thing is, what Abram does know is that just a few years before this moment, God did promise him descendants. He said in Genesis chapter 12, there's three chapters earlier, he said, from you is going to come a mighty nation. But now Abram, (laughs) he's like, all right, God, like, did you forget about that? I've been waiting years. Like, I was already elderly before. Like, it's not getting any better, God. (laughs) Where are you? See, seasons of waiting can lead us to wonder just how reliable God is. I can think of several times in my life where Shelby and I were 
going through some pretty tough financial challenges. And my mind went everywhere between, uh, does, does God even see us? Does God remember? Is God even real? See, in our pain, the, the, the fear and loneliness can start to override our ability to be able to see clearly. And right as Abram is in the middle of that wrestle, that fear, that concern of what's going to happen, this is when the Lord speaks and he says, Fear not, Abram. He's calling him by his name. I am your shield or your protector. Your reward shall be very great. Now, initially, Abram hears that and he's like, okay, um, thinking the reward is just going to be more stuff, more wealth. And he's like, God, like, what good is more stuff if I don't have anybody to pass it on to? Maybe, maybe you forgot, God, but, but you still haven't given me the offspring that you promised. And let me just remind you how it works in this world. It's going to go to Eliezer if, if you do not give me one. Can you see Abram's wrestle in that moment? And I wonder if in this moment, Abram almost felt like God was this aloof uncle who maybe dropped in and gave him a check once a year, but was really out of touch with his life. And how many of us have felt like God's the same way? But when we start to think that God doesn't see us, that's when we're tempted to try to run ahead of him and fix it ourselves. If God doesn't really see, then what? I guess I'm just going to do it my own way. And that's why Abram's already making a plan B. He's got Eliezer, God, I'm ready to go. Or in Genesis 16, just the next chapter later, Sarai still has a hard time believing God sees them at all. So she has the idea, well, Abram, why don't you have a kid with my Egyptian servant, Hagar, instead? Which Abram does, but God makes clear. He's like, no, no, that was never my plan. You're jumping ahead of me. For a year, um, several years ago, Shelby and I lived in Scotland for a year, and we hit... Um, while I was studying at the university there, we hit some major financial challenges. And, and when I saw these coming, my first reaction was, all right, got to get a job, 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 job. That all, that's all I could think about. And Shelby said, whoa, slow down, man. She said, let's ask God what he would have us to do. Thankfully, I went her way instead of my way. And I saw the ways that God provided for us in, in ways I couldn't even have imagined. But see, that shows me that fear and self-reliance will always tell us that, that, that just because God hasn't done something in our timing, he must not see or care about us. Fear is going to lead us to make impulsive decisions, not wise ones. Fear may justify even skirting around our integrity instead of waiting for God. But please know, please know, God sees you. And it is impossible for him to forget his promises to you. God's answer to Abram in this situation is not no, it's just not yet. And he says to Abram, he says, Abram, your very own son shall be your heir. And then he directs, I just love to imagine the scene in my mind. He directs Abram out into the night. And he tells him to look up in the heavens and just try to count the stars. He says, so shall your offspring be.
for those of us who are in Christ? What are those promises that God has given us? God has promised us that even when we're in the darkest valley, he will not forsake us. He promises to forgive us. He promises to set us free, to strengthen, to heal. He promises that there's no temptation too strong to overcome, nor any trial that can separate us from his love, both now and forever. He promises that he hears every prayer we pray. He promises that he sees every tear we cry. And he promises to come one day and wipe away every tear once and for all and make pain, death, and sorrow a thing of the past when Jesus finally returns. And even in our waiting, we can take him at his word. But I don't mean to imply by saying that that trusting God is just so easy. (laughs) I've certainly said more than enough times, man, I wish I had more faith than I do. But what I've come to realize is that it is often in the seasons of waiting that God waits to show us what faith really looks like. But how do we learn to trust God in the waiting? What does that really look like? See, faith is choosing to give the responsibility back to God to provide for us. After the Lord shows Abram the countless stars in that Middle Eastern night sky, and he says, so shall your offspring be, it says that Abram doesn't laugh at God and say, that's impossible, you're crazy. It says that he believed that he was convinced he took God at his word Abram was not a perfect man Abram was not a man who did everything right not even close but one thing we can say about him is that he was convinced when God said something was true Abram didn't need to see how something would happen before he could believe it And see, if we only believe what we can see as possible, we don't really need faith, do we? If I only believed or trusted in what I can see, am I really trusting? You know, we trust Pastor Matt here to oversee our youth program. Man, he's doing a phenomenal job down there with our teenagers But if I told you that every time Matt put on an event or was hosting something, I'm always looking over his shoulder and trying to critique every message he puts together. Or if I told you that I had to to say, hey, give me a detailed step-by-step of every single thing that you're doing, would you think that I'm really trusting him? No, really, I'm trusting in my ability to see how he's doing it, not trusting in him. But the reason why I trust him to do that is because I know who he is. I know his love for Jesus. I know his love for God's word. I know his love for these students. And so therefore, I may not have to see everything that he does, but I can trust him. And Abram didn't believe, didn't believe God because he saw how God would make his descendants as numerous as the stars, but because he knew who God was. He knew That the same God who hung these stars in the sky like ornaments on a tree is the same God promising to give him a son. And see, when we know who our God is, it becomes easier to then trust him with the responsibility for us. And I get, like, when we hand responsibility to anybody else, 
to promise us, to take, take care of us. <laughs> it's a vulnerable thing. It puts us in a pretty vulnerable spot. But when we see that the one we're handing responsibility to is the one called the beginning and the end, the creator and Lord of all, the Alpha, the Omega, all of a sudden things start to change. When we see that this is the same God who can take an elderly nobody nomad like Abram and and from him bring about a mighty nation, all of a sudden that starts to change things. When we see that this is the same God whose heart broke over the sin and brokenness of the world, and instead of coming in judgment that he was born among us, that he felt our suffering, that he died our death to forgive us, that changes things. When we see that the same God that we trust is the same God who burst from the tomb when it appeared by our eyes that death had beaten him, that changes things. And we realize that the same God who promises that he sees us and that he hears us and that he's with us and that he will restore all things, that's the same God. All of a sudden, we start to realize, you know what, I may not see how, but I know who I'm trusting. And so a question that I find just intensely practical in the waiting seasons It's just sitting down and thinking through, out of all the things that worry us, all the the things that cause us to be afraid, what's God's job and what's my job? You know, when we start to see and become overwhelmed by all the things we cannot control, is the answer to frantically read every article we can to see how it's all going to be better? Or, like the Apostle Paul, who who tells us, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Meaning, hand the responsibility back to him. And thank him for all that he has done. That is recognizing who he is. Then, you will experience God's peace. That is the absence of the burden of weight of responsibility that exceeds anything that you and I can understand. Even when I can't see, even when I can't fully comprehend, I still trust. I'd encourage you this week, even even get a piece of paper and write down all the things that are burdens, that are weights, that are fears on your heart and mind. Write them all down as a list. And then create two columns. One column saying what, what I can fully control and then what only God can control. And then put those things in one of those two columns. My guess is your God column is going to be a whole lot longer than the things you can control. And then is an act of worship. Just give that list, hand it back over to God as a way in thanking Him for who He is. I encourage you to do that this week. And see, why is this so important? Why is it so important that we learn what it means to trust even in the waiting seasons? Because the relationship God wants to build with us is always on the basis of faith. The relationship God wants to build with us is always on the basis of faith. In response to Abram's faith, it says the Lord counted it to him as righteousness, which is a rich theological word meaning made right with God. 
Before Abram could see how one descendant, much less as many as the stars, would come about. He was convinced that what God said was as good as done. And scripture says from front to back that this has always been the kind of relationship that God wants with us. One of trust. One of faith. And faith isn't just a New Testament idea. But it's what God has sought since the beginning. And actually 2,000 years after Abram, the Apostle Paul was writing and remembering this very same thing we read. And the Apostle Paul said, The words it was counted to him were not written for Abram's sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. Our God has always been waiting to see, will we trust him? Will we believe? Will we have faith? And that are the ones that God says, I'm calling you mine. That God is not looking for those who trust in their own good deeds to be made right with him. But he's looking for those who will trust him and take him at his word. But on top of that, something, something I really want you to see today is our relationship with God cannot depend on ourselves or what we can see because we can't possibly comprehend all that his promises involve. There's no way. As Abram stood outside that night and gazed at the stars of the sky, I don't know what he fully understood, but what I can guarantee is that he had no idea everything that God was about to do in and through him. Just as billions of galaxies lay behind those, hidden behind those stars, there was far more to God's promise than what Abram could possibly conceive. As he gazed into the heavens, how could he have guessed that from his line would come heaven's king? As he saw the distant light of innumerable stars piercing through the darkness, how could he have imagined that the light of the world would come into the darkness. As Abram dreamed of his own bloodline, how could he comprehend that his offspring would spill his own blood to rescue the world from sin? As he looked and he gazed and he imagined all those descendants to come, how could he have envisioned that it wouldn't just be for the Israelite, for the Jew, but also for the Gentile? That all would be called sons of God through Abram. You see, Abram didn't need to see how. He just needed to know who made the promise. And 2,000 years later, the New Testament opens with these words. Jesus Christ, the son of David. The son of who? Abraham. Emmanuel, God with us, has come. And all who believe in him are declared not only right with God, but children of God and heirs with Christ of all his eternal glory. And as the unseen galaxies stretch infinitely beyond the stars, the promises of God stretch beyond what we can see, and he invites us to trust. So let me finish up with this. You know, I can't help but stand in awe of how God revealed himself to Abram here. But what you'll notice is that God, 
this revelation of God doesn't come after the son is born to Abraham and Sarah. It comes before. It's a revelation of God. This relationship that's formed and solidified with Abram doesn't come after the waiting, but in the midst of it. And if there's one thing that's true, it's, it's, it's this waiting moment created a tension for God to get Abram's attention and build a fresh, resolute faith within him. Waiting may feel like a waste of time to us. But we cannot possibly imagine all that God is doing in the midst of this season. And we may not see how he's going to fulfill all his promises right now. But we can certainly know who sees us, provides for us, forgives us, and leads us in his plan that stretches farther than anything we can possibly imagine. As the unseen galaxies stretch infinitely beyond the stars, the promises of God stretch beyond what we can see. And he invites us to what? Trust. Trust. And the amazing thing is, today, we get to celebrate together three guys who have trusted Jesus with their lives. You know, for all of us, none of us when we were baptized (laughs) were perfect people. It's not about that. But God has always looked for those who would simply believe. And he says, those are the ones who made him right with me. What's amazing is that we get to celebrate Chris, Jordan, Nick, that they have turned their lives over to Jesus this morning. So before we do that, can we pray together? So Lord God, as we're in this Advent season, this season that's marked by waiting, God, we wait. We wait. Stopping to recognize, Lord, what what only you can control and what it is that you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that you make that clear to us. And if there are any ways that we are seeking to control how life goes all on our own, that, Lord, that we will see who you are and simply give the responsibility back to you. That this season of waiting will be a time when you truly do Teach us and show us who you are. And so we praise you and we thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives. And Lord, as we welcome Chris, Jordan, Nick into the family of God and we publicly celebrate their decision to follow Christ and trust you with their lives. Lord, I pray that you just fill them with your spirit. God, that you place your vision in their hearts and their minds of who you call these men to be. God, that you set them free from all those things that wanted to try to control them and keep them from you. And instead, that you empower them in ways they could never have dreamed. Simply because they decided to trust the one who died for them and gave his life for them and rose again. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen.